Welcome to Better Together, a podcast about health consumer engagement from the perspective of consumers and healthcare workers across the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District. What you're about to hear is the first episode we ever made, and since then our guest, Kay Hyman, Chief Executive of the Local Health District at the time of recording, has retired from the organisation after a long and valuable contribution to the health of the community. We had such a great conversation, though, that we thought it was still worth releasing here, and it's all still very relevant to health consumer engagement today. So please enjoy this, our pilot episode for the Better Together podcast, which sheds some light on the Nepean Blue Mountains LHD's commitment to consumer engagement, including in relation to its ongoing redevelopment of Nepean Hospital in Western Sydney. We also discussed some of the key challenges to meaningful health consumer engagement, including in relation to cultural and linguistic diversity, providing better support for consumer representatives, and developing better models for consumer engagement. Hi, my name's Dominic Santangelo. Thanks so much for finding me here and welcome to the inaugural episode of Better Together, a series of hopefully enlightening conversations between health consumers and health professionals. In recent years, there's been a global shift in the way health systems view and engage with patients, their families and carers. And here at the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District, a network of hospitals, mental health and community health services located just to the west of metropolitan Sydney, we're embracing the trend. This trend towards better health consumer engagement is an overdue realisation, even if it's one that's been emerging for many decades. Historically, health systems have grown from institutionalised healthcare practices that view patients scientifically and primarily as bodies needing treatment, with the power and knowledge about their care existing within professional institutions. The global health consumer movement, however, sees a need to put the experience of the individual patient front and centre, advocating for health consumers to be much more actively involved in their own care, and as a result, reshape those institutions towards better health outcomes. And that's the simple premise for this podcast, really, exploring ways in which healthcare services like ours at various levels are partnering with patients as well as with their families and carers to improve a very large and complex health system. Now, I'll admit that's a pretty big focus, so I should emphasise that our priorities for this little podcast are, in fact, somewhat more nuanced and local. Um, We'll be recording our podcast from right here inside Nepean Hospital, the largest facility of the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District, which operates on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gundungurra and Wiradjuri peoples. The district and its people will be the focus of our show, and not to diminish the scale of our ambition too much, we're home to a diverse population of almost 400,000 people, each of them potential health consumers, and one of which is the extremely passionate health consumer representative, Matt Roger. Matt, thanks for joining us today. No worries, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks. Fantastic. And uh, we're also extremely grateful to be joined here today by Kay Hyman, Chief Executive of the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District. Welcome, Kay. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so without further preamble, I think we should dive right into the conversation, starting with Kay. Kay Hyman, what does consumer representation mean to you in your role as Chief Executive of the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District? Uh, So for me, it's an absolutely vital part of how we operate. Um, As you said, Consumers, it's it's vital that we hear from consumers, understand what actually matters to them, um, and make sure that we deliver that. Uh, so prior to coming here, uh, one of the responsibilities I had was for a children's hospital, and that certainly makes you really aware because you have parents as an integral part of um, how health is delivered. And uh, coming here, I wanted to try and emulate that across the system as a whole taken quite a while to get there, but I think we're certainly moving in the right direction. 
Thanks, Kay. Yeah, look, yeah, I, I might just say that, you know, part of my experience at the moment as a carer is, is working with the children's hospital a lot. And, um, you know, I think they do have a good system in place, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement there as well. Mm. But we, we might get to my, my personal story in another episode, certainly not <laughs> in this one. But thank you, Kay. I much appreciate that. And um, uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, in, in practice here at, at the LHD, how, how consumer lived experience shapes your strategic vision for the LHD? Uh, well, you know, there's, I think there's different ways of putting a vision together. Um, and certainly our vision, which has been in place now since the, basically the inception of the LHD, Together Achieving Better Health, I think encompasses that partnership with consumers and carers. Uh, because as health professionals, we can do so much and, you know, we can do everything technically perfectly. I'm not saying that we do 100% of the time, but, you know, that's our aim. Uh, but unless it's actually what consumers want, you know, technical perfection doesn't really stand for so much. Uh, so understanding what makes it valued by consumers and importantly, what makes consumers feel safe and willing to actually engage with the health service. And that's certainly true for our Aboriginal community. Because uh, if people don't feel safe and listened to, then they're not going to actually use the system in the way that they need to for their health. Now, I think your response, Kay, sort of points to the, the very many things that potentially we could talk about on this podcast. But before we start picking some of that apart, I just want to introduce our, our, our other guest today, Matt. Matt, What's your personal story with consumer engagement and what role do consumer reps play in the health system? It's a really great question. Uh, I live with the challenges of a disability um, and often I, I think that, that in the past clinicians might have just seen what they learned at university as the way to treat a patient. Now, I like to think that I'm a person first with a side dish of disability. <laughs> um, and so it's my lived experience that, that we as consumers can bring along to um, our, our care. And I think consumers play a vital role and take an, act, an active role in their own healthcare. Um, and I guess part of my consumer engagement journey came about by virtue of having to medically retire at the age of 43. That was not something that was part of my career plan or part of my career tra trajectory. Um, but I decided that I was going to take a more active role in my own health. And the best way to do that is get involved with our local health district. As you said in the intro, there's 400,000 people with a big population of Aboriginal, culturally and linguistically diverse people, uh, elderly people. The demographics of our LHD are changing quite rapidly. And I think that means that consumers have a vital role to play in helping to shape the direction of, of that LHD and the services that it provides to consumers and patients. Thanks, Matt. Hey, look, your experience, I guess, is, is, is fairly exemplary of... Um, of, of health consumers becoming sort of more active representatives in their local area. Would you mind maybe just sharing a little bit more about your personal um, health story and then journey, journey into, into com consumer representation? Like you, you mentioned a little bit now, but perhaps we could just dive a little bit deeper into to your personal interest yeah, in sure. story. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in July 2003. Um, and I guess for a while everything was, was progressing smoothly. I was you know, um, high powered career, um, working with one of the big four banks in Australia, um, and things were moving pretty smoothly. The diagnosis of MS was a bit of a shock at the time. I don't have a history of MS in my family. Um, 
and progressively as my condition um, moved along its own little merry journey, because there are no two MS journeys that are, that are the same, um, it got to the point where I wasn't performing at the same high standard that was expected of me, hence the medical retirement. And that was a trigger for me to think, okay, well, what about my health and my family? It's important to note that your family is just as much involved in your own uh, disease or disability as you, the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, they come along for the same ride um, as you. So I thought it was uh, extremely important to get involved um, and, and to be aware of those sorts of things. As I have a disability, I'm in a wheelchair predominantly, I've become acutely aware of where there were issues that impacted with people with disability. Um, and I got involved with our local council uh, initially to start thinking about from an access committee point of view, how that works. And it was through that introduction to the hospital. And that has just morphed into a whole lot of opportunities for me as a consumer to try and help shape and influence mm. the direction that the LHC takes in the services that it provides. Uh, again, there's, there's a lot, awful lot of stuff we could pick up on there as sort of follow-up, but I guess I'll just ask you one more question. I mean, you talked about, you know, having a high-powered career, um, you know, obviously you're a career-oriented person and MS comes along and, and changes that for you. In sort of your initial dealings with the hospital system as a patient, what struck you about the way that you were sort of dealt with as a patient rather than the way that you were used to being sort of, you know, um, interacted with in your professional life? And did that have an impact on your on your um, sort of passion for, for consumer representation? I think you're right. We were seen as, a, as an MRN, a medical records number, <laughs> yeah. and not as a person. Um, and sometimes they wouldn't, the clinician wouldn't necessarily be talking directly to you. Uh, or they, they'd swing past in a 30-second catch-up and then disappear without having the opportunity to bring the family along with that, that journey. And I, I do see opportunities where that has changed quite a lot over the, over the years. Um, but I think back to when I was diagnosed, there were you know, no peer support activities involved. Um, there were no real opportunities for discussion and engagement. The communication that was even available for, for families was quite uh, minimal. Um, and it wasn't necessarily age appropriate. And I think that's that's a big difference, big change in what's happening. Things are, the language is becoming more appropriate. Families are being included, and carers are being included more and more often. And I think now it's the opportunity with that, that demographic in our LHD to really drive that further forward. And that's where I think consumers do work, as you said in the intro, better together with clinicians in more of a partnership model, mm. rather than just you're, you're a patient, you're a number on, on a page. Matt, that was a very useful response because I think what you've done is canvas one of the key sort of, you know, overarching problems, but you've also sort of hinted towards some of the benefits of consumer engagement. So I want to ask both of you this next question, and maybe we'll start start with Kay with, with this one and go back to you, Matt Roger. But Kay Hyman, what are the benefits to consumer engagement as you see them, and why should consumers get involved in the first place? Uh, so the benefits for me are that we're designing and delivering a system which actually meets consumer needs uh, because you know only consumers can tell us what those are and then that gives us the opportunity and I think for me exemplified with the redevelopment um, so early consumer engagement and um, hopefully delivering um, a building which is actually incorporated 
maybe not 100%, but certainly close to 100% of what consumers said was really important to them as part of that building. And just briefly, Kay, just for anyone who's listening who might not be necessarily as aware of the redevelopment oh. as, as, <laughs> as we are, just maybe a quick overview. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we've had the fantastic opportunity for a $1 billion redevelopment occurring on the Nepean campus. And uh, over the last month, services have moved into stage one of that, which is a fantastic 14 level um, building. And uh, once we've got everyone in there and uh, move some things around, we move on to stage two, uh, which won't be finished until 2025. Uh, but that's fundamentally reshaped the canvas, uh, campus, sorry, not canvas. Um, at the moment, uh, people might find it a little bit uh, difficult to navigate uh, because with stage one, we don't actually have a new front entry or particular arrival place that comes with stage two. Uh, so if you do find it a bit inconvenient in the meantime, please bear with us because it will certainly be worth it once we've finished stage two. Well, it's certainly a big job. Hey, Matt, you were involved in some of the wayfinding process yourself, were you not? That's right, and that was one of my first engagements with, with as a consumer on the redevelopment. Uh, we had to move from one side office to another, and and I was told oh, that's wheelchair accessible. Uh, it turned out that you needed to be a mountain goat to get to where <laughs> I had to go, um, and and that was really an eye opener, yeah. and it was an eye opener for the redevelopment team, because what they thought was in place was actually not in place, um, and that is where being aware of those wayfinding type issues, the signage, the locations, walkways that end in steps, uh, which is really great for someone with a, with a wheelchair or a mobility device or even a parent pushing a pram. Imagine trying to get a double stroll up and down instead of steps, it doesn't work. Um, and that was a really great opportunity. And that was uh, nearly three years ago now that I started getting involved in, in the redevelopment. So as Kay said, this has been going for some time with a whole lot more to come. Um, and I'm excited by the opportunities to, for that. Are you taking notes? Because obviously you two are working already quite quite closely and it's been now a long period of time, as you say, three years since you've been sort of influencing this redevelopment project from a consumer perspective. Do you think, you know, along the way we are sort of changing the model or, or learning things about how better to engage with consumers or from your perspective, Matt, how to better engage with, with hospital leaders or health leaders? I, I certainly think so. Um, even through the development of, of the 14-storey tower, uh, one of the questions I asked was around the, the lifts, for example. Um, we've all had that experience where the lift doors close on you as you're trying to wheel through it, which is you know, difficult enough when you're, when you're ambulant. But when you're in a wheelchair and you've got a, a lift door that closes on top of you, um, and so looking at some of the technology that's actually been put in from the ground up, rather than trying to retrofit something else once it was already done. I think that leads into another question I've, I've got for Kay here. Um, I'm just wondering if it might be a good idea to um, to talk a little bit about some, some examples of where um, LHD processes or practices have been positively impacted as a direct result of consumer representation. Obviously, Matt's given us a couple of examples in terms of the redevelopment, but is there anything that you've seen over, over the years, and it could be here, it could be elsewhere, um, where consumer engagement has made a real difference and really changed the ways in which we, we practice? And, and that could be, you know, in terms of you know, even even the culture of healthcare, or or it could be a particular process or procedure, but something specific as an example of how consumer engagement in action uh, really does drive change. 
So, I mean, there's the obvious, the redevelopment that we've talked about, and that's more about facility design and actual infrastructure. I think when we come to, you know, how healthcare is actually delivered, um, and I'm struggling to think of an actual example, but maybe one I will use is the way that we've got our Get Involved process working, which is more an online uh, forum for consumers where we can actually... Uh, send out information that we're developing for consumers or for families and get feedback from people, you know, do they understand it? Is it useful? Um, you know, how would it be better represented, etc. So that's a practical example that's shaping some of our materials for uh, families and consumers. But I think where we really start to make a difference is where we've got consumers embedded in quality improvement activities at individual service levels. So whether that's women's health or children's health or surgery or anywhere else. And those consumers are actually part of how we look at quality improvement. Um, and then, you know, there are a lot of a lot of subtle things that happen over time that just, you know, change the way in which we deliver care. Yeah, you mentioned a few things again there, which would sort of open up into longer discussions. And I guess that service level improvement with consumer engagement is something that's been very successful and around for a long time in the mental health space. And I, it, the way I see it is it's starting to then sort of influence other areas of um, healthcare practice as well. The other thing you mentioned there was the was was the um, uh, get involved groups and, and looking at um, resources for health consumers that should develop collaboratively. In fact, this podcast has taken its name directly from some <laughs> branding that we came up with around around that process better together. So maybe in relation to that or any part of what, what Kay's just um, uh, sort of opened up for us there, Matt, what are your thoughts on the processes that are in place? How they're going? Um, is there room for improvement? Where are we at? Well, I think one of the big, big developments in, in healthcare is the use of virtual care type arrangements. And the, the COVID pandemic really highlighted the benefits of being able to have your ongoing healthcare journey still monitored effectively through uh, virtual care or, or telehealth as it was at the time. Um, and I really think that that's a great opportunity for, for us as consumers. One of the things that, that I've experienced in some of the committees I've been involved in, you know, there's this trend in some of them to just report the same key performance information over and over and over again, and the trends weren't necessarily changing. And to come in with a consumer lived experience eye and say, does this make sense? And challenge constructively uh, and, and start to work and just ask the question, does this make sense? It doesn't make sense to me as a consumer, as a patient. Why is it making sense to you as a clinician? It changes that conversation. And I really think um, we have the opportunity, we're ideally placed to give that lived experience to the clinicians. Hmm. And I, I do see that as an opportunity for, for further growth and, and development in, in that area. Well, I guess that brings me to the next question about what you think the challenges to genuine consumer engagement are, because, you know, not, not wanting to be too critical, but I know, you know, I guess I've been working for health for 
you know, a little little while now, and other organisations as well. And when you've got such a big organisation that's trying to do things differently and trying to engage people in the organisation who who aren't necessarily experienced working within it, but have their own, you know, valuable health experience to bring. Sometimes, you know, you know, you often hear criticisms of box ticking exercises, for example. And, you know, I, I wouldn't um, for a minute suggest that consumer engagement is a box ticking exercise here or elsewhere. But there are certain challenges that we need to face that we need to, you know, to, we need to sort of, you know, face up to. To, to to make sure that, that the the risk of, of, of things happening in a um, tokenistic and very piecemeal or very slow um, way without having genuine impact are, are avoided. So it's probably a long-winded way of saying, you know, what do you think are those main barriers and challenges to genuine consumer engagement? Yeah, I think the, the box-ticking comment you made, Dom, is a really good one because I think in the past it was probably what it was seen, just get the consumers involved and say, tip, we've met the, the quality health standards. Anecdotally, I've heard this perception that having consumers involved, they're there as a spy. And just to report back to you know, the, the chief executive or the, the senior directors and say, oh, look, this service over here isn't doing the right thing. From my perspective, what I've seen so far in, in the few years I've been involved as a consumer, I'm, I'm seeing it more of, a, more of a welcoming attitude towards consumer involvement and not just there as a spy. And in fact, the, the clinical directors want consumers to ask the question, does this make sense to you? How is this adding value to your healthcare? And it then moves the conversation beyond us, the, the cost of the service being provided to what is, and you mentioned before, mm-hmm. case, what value is that service bringing to you as the patient and the consumer and your family and your carer? And when you start to think about the demographic in our, in our district, Oh, mate, the opportunities are, are, are absolutely immense. I think there's an opportunity, Kay, to talk a little bit about the demographic of the district and how, you know, the uniqueness of that um, mm-hmm. does inform our approach to consumer engagement. Yes, yeah, so certainly we've got um, a diverse population. So we've got uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Island uh, population, which is one of the highest in the metropolitan area percentage-wise, not number-wise, but percentage-wise. And for our culturally and linguistically diverse population, uh, we've got small numbers of just about everyone. Uh, so various other parts of Sydney Metro have got you know a, a high concentration of Arabic population or Asian population or others. Uh, we have everyone, but very small numbers. Uh, so that creates its own challenge uh, because we don't necessarily have some of the you know, really strong community infrastructures that there are in other parts. Um, But certainly we're keen to engage um, all those groups as effectively as we possibly can. And I think one of the things sort of just going back to consumer engagement a a bit is um, making sure that we've got orientation materials, training's not quite what I'm wanting, but for lack of a better word, training, so that people feel comfortable when they actually engage and that we've got, um, and we have with uh, Amanda Ansnick, you know, a very good person that's there and her role is to support that consumer engagement activity. So if consumers feel a little uncomfortable at you know, a meeting they've attended, they've got somebody that they can actually, you know, share that concern with, 
Um, and if they feel that, you know, maybe because we're really good at talking in complex language and using a yeah. thousand and one acronyms, um, you know, somebody that can help with some of that as well and remind staff, um, you know, that acronyms are, are fine at A level, um, but, you know, are not necessarily understood by all or you know, really concerningly, that acronym means something completely different to somebody else uh, with a very different connotation often. So, you know, you end up with somebody thinking something completely different to what we're <laughs> assuming, uh, which is never helpful. I'm sure there's all sorts of funny examples. <laughs> there are. Some of them are not really for radio or podcast <laughs> or anywhere else, but yeah, there are plenty. Um, so having, you know, support for consumers as well so that hopefully they feel appreciated they feel that their value time that they're giving us is, you know, actually appreciated by us. And I think some of that ticker box stuff in the past has come also to when consumers have been involved. So, you know, we've designed this now, you know, you, you look at it and tell us it's okay. Not what real engagement is about is we are going to design something together mm. And, you know, you're here from the beginning. And for me, the perfect example of that is the um, operating model for mental health. Uh, so consumers and carers have been involved from the very beginning. Uh, so it's not, you know, here's our plan. What do you think? They have been there from day one. And I'm confident that what we've ended up with is a far better product as a result of that. Yeah, there's a lot of positive stories out of this district with mental health care. And I think, Kay, we should have a chat later about how we can put together an episode that's specifically around some of those mm -hmm. um, developments. Because, you know, in many ways, mental health has sort of led the, the consumer movement. And, you know, but in, in Matt's experience, you know, it's, it's broadened out. So the, the sorts of support that Kay was mentioning there for um, consumers to get involved, do, do you see that support, Matt Roger? Yeah, I certainly do, and and I, I take the was that about twenty five percent of our district with from a culturally and linguistically diverse background, and I, I what I've been trying to do as a consumer is trying to help bridge that um, cold community consumer engagement as well into the broader mainstream consumer engagement. Um, sometimes I feel that that's a bit of an underrepresented um, mm. area, um, but equally important area. Um, and certainly the importance of being involved at the ground level from a design perspective is much better, as I said, right at the start, rather than trying to retrofit something mm. once it's done or once it's delivered. Mm. Yeah, excellent. Um, look, um, Kay, I just want to pick up on, on another thing that you just mentioned then around the, we talked about support for consumer representatives to get involved and, 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 and Matt sort of attested to that. But I'm wondering about whether or not there's a place in, in the strategy and if so, you know, what it is or, you know, just even generally if what it looks like without talking about, you know, without talking about things at a strategic level. But what about support for services and departments, teams within the LHD to embrace consumer engagement? Because I guess one of the things that is slow to change, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, from my perspective, I guess, I've got, I've got two two angles on this. I'm, I'm a staff member here with the media and comms team. So I sort of see a lot of the internal workings of the place. And I also see a lot of the complaints and things like that. But also in my life outside of work, I'm also a carer for, for two kids who have a very... Um, a very serious illness, which is sort of akin to a chronic disease, really. Um, and I spend a lot of time advocating for them in the health system. And I think one of the things that I notice is that there's a lot of consumers out there who might have a role to play, but um, where things are perhaps slower to change is, is the services accepting that, yes, 
the there are people out there who have genuine experience that actually can um, make a positive difference to our service rather than just create some extra workload for us. <laughs> Uh, that's absolutely true. And there's some services that embrace consumers and, you know, bring them into the service in the way which is ideal. And honestly, there are some services and some staff that are really cautious, concerned, what's this going to mean? How is this going to change the way in which we do business? Or, you know, we will be able to talk about everything with consumers in the room. Um, and often if we can get some of those staff that are, are a little reluctant to actually be in, to observe consumers in other settings and see other colleagues working productively with consumers, that overcomes some of the fear. Um, and that's why I think also for consumers, it's always good um, to have more than one, because sometimes it can be if you're the sole voice sitting there and you're not quite sure you know, do you understand what's being talked about? You know, I'm, I'm I'm not sure I understand. Should I ask? Shouldn't I? And you sit there and maybe don't ask, uh, where maybe if there's two of you and you're sort of looking at one another and saying, well, no, no, I don't understand that either, then, you know, there's a bit power in numbers. And I think that allows consumers to actually work more effectively. It's not to say there needs to be two consumers everywhere, but I think certainly a buddy system, mm. you know, of an experienced consumer and a newer consumer really helps to um, strengthen that partnership, both in terms of, you know, the consumers feeling confident, but also, you know, the staff feeling confident to deal with consumers. Mm. Hey, Matt, as an experienced consumer, do you sort of mentor other consumers in the way that Kay sort of mentioned, the sort of buddy system? Yes, that's right. And and certainly we, we do try and get that, that buddy system working. Um, and I think part of it is the confidence for people to deal with, with the health professional. Um, and you mentioned it before, Kay, the, the acronyms. Uh, I've been in some meetings where the same acronym has been used six times. That means six different things. <laughs> yeah. um, and you have to just put up your hands and say, now, which, which thing are you talking Which service are you talking about? Um, but I think then it's what I've seen is when consumers have asked the question, there is an engagement model where the clinician will provide answers, even if it's not at the meeting, but something afterwards. And I think it's a great way to, to demonstrate that consumers can work in a partnership with the, with the services um, in such a way that it becomes better hmm. together. It's hmm. that simple. And is that the feedback you get from, from fellow um, consumer representatives, Matt, that that process is working well? Generally speaking, yes. And, and you mentioned the mental health consumer engagement. Um, and I hear a lot about that from, from our f fellow consumers about that. From what I've seen so far, yes. But I still think there's heaps of opportunities for more and more consumers to get involved. And you mentioned Amanda before, we've got a pretty good um, consumer group going so far. And Amanda tries really hard to get more and more involved. Yeah, and look, if anyone's listening to this and they are keen to get involved, um, uh, then just please uh, email us at the link uh, that you'll find somewhere uh, close to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important uh, whether you're a, a patient a carer, a community member, a health representative like yourself, Dom, it doesn't really matter. You, Everyone has the opportunity to become a health consumer representative. Yeah. And I'd actively advocate and encourage people to, to get involved in the local health service. 
Okay, what would you say to, to people out in the community who might be interested in, in getting involved as a consumer rep? Contact us. Um, you know, we'd be delighted to have you. And I think now with uh, technology changing, um, you know, it's, it's always fantastic to do things face to face. But there are opportunities for virtual involvement as well, or, or a hybrid of, you know, virtual and um, in person. And hopefully that makes it easier for some consumers um, that may you know, live a bit further away or um, not be able to get here easily at the hours that we're necessarily doing things. So, um, you know, whatever your contribution, we're really glad to receive it. Um, and it would be really good to hear from people that have um, what I call, you know, low level or incidental contact with the health service as well, because it's fantastic to have people like Matt who will have an ongoing relationship with us. Um, and that's true for our mental health consumers generally as well and their families. Uh, but we have quite a few people that just, you know, are very occasional users of the hospital system, which is, you know, what we want, because uh, we want people kept well and at home or in primary care. Uh, so some of the pathways for those incidental consumers, you know, is a bit different to those that have ongoing um, care needs. So it's really important for us to understand those needs as well and to make sure that we're addressing those well. And quite often uh, people that don't have ongoing relationship with the health system don't think they've got a place to play, a part to play. Uh, but certainly we're really keen to hear from them, from everyone young, old, male, female, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, called community, disability, whatever, whoever, we're keen to have you to be part of um, doing things better together. Thank you, Kay Hyman. That's a, that's a, a very clear and um, encouraging message. And probably we're sort of out of time, so it's probably a good place to finish as well. Um, Matt, before we do go, are there any last points you'd like to, to, to touch on? From my perspective, being a consumer representative in, in our district has seen some positive changes. I'm encouraged by what I see. I still want to see more and more and more happening. Um, and I think it's now time that we we um, ask others in, in the district to get involved in this sort of thing and get their different perspectives. Um, I really throw that challenge down to, to Kay and her executive team and, and others in the district um, to continue this series going forward. Yeah, we've certainly got some big plans and we've got some other people in mind and we, we won't mention any names just yet because we, we haven't asked them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, thanks so much, Matt Roger and Kay Hyman for joining us today. It's really been a wonderful introduction to the show, I think. Thanks so much for listening to this inaugural episode of Better Together with myself, Dominic Santangelo, Matt Roger and our guest, Kay Hyman. Please tune in again for more episodes on topics relevant to consumer engagement. Our next episode will feature Professor Muhammad Kadra, Professor of Surgery at the University of Sydney, Director of Surgery and Director of Strategy and Innovation at Nepean Blue Mountains LHD, Co-Chair of the Nepean Telehealth Technology Centre and a celebrated author and playwright. If you're interested in getting involved or have an idea about who or what we could feature on the show, please drop us a line at bettertogetherconsumerpodcast at gmail.com. The Better Together podcast is a consumer-driven initiative with help from staff across the Nepean Blue Mountains local health district. Catch you next time.